Well done today. Thank you, thank you. Today, we are going to read from Matthew's Gospel and invite you to turn with me to chapter 28, and we'll be reading verses 16 through 20. Well familiar and well-known verses to our church. Jesus speaking to his disciples after the resurrection. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This passage is known to us as the Great Commission. It's been the hallmark of Baptists for many, many years who have a great commitment to the Great Commission to go to all the world spreading the gospel, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching people to obey everything that Jesus said and did. Our church is a continuation of the commission. Huguenot Road Baptist Chapel held its first worship service on June 14, 1964. Three years ago, before I came, you celebrated 50 years as a church from your founding. But as you heard Philip say earlier, we officially became a constituted church three years later. And many of you who are still here remember that. 50 years ago from today, isn't that neat? On June 11th, 1967, at 3 o'clock p.m., we were officially constituted as Huguenot Road Baptist Church. Our own Eric Millirons did a beautiful job of writing the history of our church, which is available in our library. I used it today to remind you that it's available to you. He signed the front of it, and at the top it says, 50 years of spreading the gospel, the history of Huguenot Road Baptist Church. 50 years ago from today, officially constituted. Maybe we would say 50 years of spreading the gospel as a Great Commission church. With the Great Commission in mind today, 53 years of going, 53 years of making disciples, 53 years of teaching them to obey everything that Jesus said and did. As we continue on this journey, our staff and our key lay leaders are taking this to heart, taking discipleship to heart. Our spiritual gifts team has identified a great resource to help us to become very intentional and crystal clear about how we make disciples here at Huguenot Road Baptist Church. In January of this year, our staff, church council, deacons, and members of several teams led by David Jordan 
began a four-month study to focus on our discipleship process and the need to align everything that we do as a church toward that end, toward making disciples. The group then selected a smaller group of leaders, and our staff is working with them as David's leading us to continue this work. We will continue to keep you updated. But our vision is to get very clear about our discipleship process, that when someone comes to HRBC and joins the church, that we have a clear path for them to follow, that we align everything that we do with making disciples so that we use our resources to their fullest, and that we focus on moving people through that process. And then we get very clear on best practices, that we can sometimes say no to good things so that we will be able to say yes to the best things. Clarity, movement, alignment, and focus are the things that we are working on. So pray for these leaders and your staff as we go along the way. Because Jesus said that our primary calling is to make disciples, it's important for us to have a reminder today of what that's about. What does it mean to make disciples? Here are a few principles, basic principles of discipleship, and they're in your notes if you would like to take some things down to help in your own study, feel free to do that. We would say first that discipleship is not some things. That discipleship is not just an information transfer where I know intellectually who God is, but that's about it. I've got a lot of information about God. I know about God, but I don't know God personally. So discipleship is not just an information transfer from somebody else to me about God. Discipleship is not just behavior modification where I try to do better and follow some rules and regulations. It's much more than that. Discipleship is not a passive activity where I go to a worship service or I sit in a class and expect to grow. And discipleship is not a performance. It's, It's not checking the boxes looking at the things that I've done, and when I get finished with those, then I'm a more mature disciple. There's some important things that we want to do, but discipleship is much more than these things. I would argue, secondly, that discipleship is a partnership. Remember that word, discipleship as a partnership. God is the one who does the transforming, And people are invited to participate with God in that. God invites us into a love relationship with him through Jesus Christ. It is God taking that initiative and inviting us to be a part of what he is doing. The Holy Spirit is the one who does the work inside of us to transform us to be more and more like Jesus Christ. And then we would say third, that a disciple of Jesus is one who obeys the call to follow Jesus. You remember when he went to his first soon-to-be disciples who were fishermen, and he said, come, follow me. We follow Jesus, and then we become more and more like Jesus. Our goal is to imitate Christ, as Paul says, to become more and more like Jesus Christ. So if somebody said to you, what does a disciple look like at Huguenot Road Baptist Church? We would hope to say that we look like Jesus. And it's a lifelong journey. I'm a lifelong learner. And my hope is someday, as with the power of God, that I can 
people can see Jesus in me. About six months after I received the call to be the pastor here at Huguenot Road Baptist Church, Mike Robinson, the director of missions for the River City Faith Network of the Richmond Baptist Association, invited me to lunch. He came over and sat down in my office and visited with me a little bit, and we had a nice lunch. And he gave me a book that day called Multiply by a writer named Francis Chan. He's been a pastor and a speaker. Some of you are familiar with some of his studies. Mike wrote inside the cover, Bob, best wishes, adding is good, multiplying is better. Disciples making disciples. We don't just want to add people, we, we want to see multiplication, disciples making disciples. That's the premise of this book. And then Chan, the author, writes, the word disciple refers to a student or an apprentice Disciples in Jesus' day would follow their rabbi, which means teacher, wherever he went, learning from the rabbi's teaching and being trained to do as the rabbi did. When Jesus called his first disciples, they may not have understood where Jesus would take them or understood the full impact that it would have on their lives, but they knew what it meant to follow. They they knew that. They saw it happen in other places. And then Chan writes, they took Jesus' call to heart and began going everywhere he went and doing everything he did. And then Chan quotes Luke 6.40 where Jesus says, it is impossible to be a follower of someone and not end up like that person. A disciple is not above his teacher, but Jesus says, everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. That's the whole point of being a disciple. We imitate Jesus, we carry on his ministry, and we become like him in the process. This reminds me of a a story as I was reflecting on this whole concept. Even if you didn't grow up in the 80s and 90s, you know who Michael Jordan is. Arguably the greatest basketball player ever to have played the game. Yes, LeBron is making a run, but Jordan has six, LeBron has three, so time will tell. But I believe most people would say, if asked the question, MJ is number one. Back in 1991, Quaker Oats signed Michael Jordan to be the sole endorsement for its Gatorade division. They hired an advertising executive named Bernie Pitzel to lead the creative account. He immediately knew that he had something special when they were able to sign Michael Jordan away from Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola didn't want to spend the money, and I bet they wish they would have. When Disney wanted $350,000 to use one of their songs for a potential commercial that starred Jordan, Pitzel went to Plan B. He went to his favorite restaurant and sat down and started writing out the words to a little poem, a jingle, on the paper tablecloth at the restaurant. These words would become the most famous, some of the most famous commercial jingles in our time. It took him four hours, and afterward he faxed, back then you faxed things, ask your parents, children, what that means, and they'll explain it to you. He faxed the words to four different music companies that he was familiar with, hoping someone would come up with a catchy tune for these words. And one such company did just that, and the result was the song, 
be like Mike. Here are the words. Sometimes I dream that he is me. You've got to see that's how I dream to be. I dream, I move, I dream, I groove like Mike. If I could be like Mike. Again, I try, just need to fly for just one day if I could. Be that way, I dream, I move, I dream, I groove like Mike. If I could be like Mike, I want to be like Mike. That advertisement took off. The children were singing in the commercial. If you see it, if you go on YouTube and find it, you can see that all these young kids are aspiring to be like him, to play basketball like him. And that's this whole concept of discipleship, that we want to be like Jesus. When you think about this concept of being like your teacher or being like your coach or being like someone you admire, I mean, what young basketball player has not wanted to be like MJ? In my sophomore year of college, which was 1986, the fall of 86, I purchased a pair of the very first edition Air Jordan 1 shoes. They were black with the blue Nike swoosh, blue bottoms, and my fraternity brothers thought I was nuts. And they used to call me Air Lee, not because I played basketball very well, but because my shoes were so ugly. I still have those shoes. They're in a box. Melanie has always wondered every time we've moved why I have kept them. But I'm not getting rid of those old Air Jordans because I was trying to be like Mike. We had a basketball goal out behind the fraternity house and with a gravel driveway, and we'd be out there for hours playing hoops. I tried to be like Mike. At least I was wearing the shoes. <laughs> we want to be like the people we follow. By the way, not in my notes, but if we're following somebody down a negative path, we can end up being that way too. So when you think about it, especially for our young people, we want to focus on positive people, people who can have a good influence on us and lead us in the right way. We want to be like the people we follow. We as disciples, we want to be like Jesus Christ. To imitate him, to carry on his ministry, and to become more and more like him in the process. And then number four, the mark of a Christian disciple is heart transformation or a transformed heart. Yes, there are some attributes that are at work in the lives of believers as they grow. Yes, Bible engagement and obeying God and denying self. Yes, serving others, serving God and serving others. Yes, sharing Christ with others. Yes, exercising our faith in decision-making. Yes, seeking God. Yes, building relationships with others. Yes, being unashamed of what we believe as we share it. But the mark of a Christian disciple is a transformed heart. The list above that I just shared is the fruit or the overflow out of a transformed heart. But when a wayward son repents and comes home, that's a transformed heart. When a tax collector who had been stealing from his own people meets Jesus and does an about face and returns what he stole, Zacchaeus in the Bible, 
That's a transformed heart. When a persecutor of Christians has a complete change and devotes the rest of his life to telling people about Jesus Christ and planting churches and equipping churches and leaders, that is the result of a transformed heart. When a teenager who sees what everybody else is doing and decides to follow Jesus with their whole heart, that is a transformed heart. When a self-centered husband and father decides to stop what he is doing to make changes and sees life with a new perspective, seeing himself through a new set of lenses, that is the result of God working in the heart. When a wife and mom breaks free of the oppression of what or who someone else wanted her to be or trying to please somebody in her past, that is a result of God working a transformed heart. When an addict finally comes to a realization that they cannot continue to go on on their own and they need God to help them to recover, that is a result of a transformed heart. When a person starts to give their time and money to God's work, even though they don't really understand the how they're going to figure it out, and it means major sacrifice that a result of a, a transformed heart. The mark of a Christian disciple is a transformed heart. We hear the good news, often from someone like you and me. They have a change of heart, which is repentance, and decide to follow Jesus Christ with their whole heart and to pattern their lives after His. Over time, through the ministries of churches just like Huguenot Road Baptist Church, they become more and more like Jesus. Embracing the great commission that Jesus gave to His disciples to make more and more disciples, to see multiplication happen, disciples making disciples, they go, they baptize, and teach them to obey everything that Jesus said and did. But sometimes we don't see the growth. Sometimes we don't see the fruit. And we feel like we're not making any difference at all. If that's you, if you've ever felt like, is what I am doing even worth it? I don't see the fruit of this. Maybe this story will help you. Most people have never even heard of a man named Edward Kimball, but he was a Sunday school teacher who not only prayed for the very active youth boys in his class, but he sought to make sure that each one of them had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So he made sure that he had that kind of conversation with each of them. Sometimes he felt like throwing in the towel. One, yet, one young man in particular was a very hard one to reach. He didn't seem to listen and he didn't seem to understand what gospel was all about. So Kimball decided to go to the shoe store where he worked. He was stocking shelves. And he talked to the young man right there at his workplace about the importance of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. How would you feel if you were stocking shelves at Kroger, which I did in high school, and your Sunday school teacher shows up and says, Bob, I need to have a serious talk with you about Jesus. I mean, that's what happened here. And this young man ended up coming to a personal relationship with Christ that day, and his name was Dwight L. Moody. In his lifetime, Moody touched two continents for God with thousands professing Christ through his ministry. But the story doesn't end there. Actually, that's where it begins. Under Moody, another man's heart was touched for God, and his name was Wilbur Chapman. Chapman became an evangelist who preached to thousands and thousands of people. One day, a professional baseball player had his day off and attended one of Chapman's meetings. 
and his name was Billy Sunday. And Billy Sunday was thus converted to Christianity. And he quit baseball and devoted his life to evangelism and became part of Chapman's team. Then Chapman accepted a pastorate, and Billy Sunday began his own evangelistic crusades. Another young man was converted under his ministry, and his name was Mordecai Ham. He was a scholarly, dignified gentleman, but would often go out into the streets to tell people that a revival was coming up, that he was preaching. When Ham made it to Charlotte, North Carolina, a sandy-haired, lanky young man, then in high school, vowed he wouldn't go near him and hear him preach. But Billy Frank, this young man, as he was called by his family, eventually did go. Ham announced that he knew for a fact that a lot of the young boys, the high school age boys in the city, were actually leaving school at lunch and getting into some trouble. Well, some of these young guys decided to go that evening to disrupt the evangelistic meeting Mordecai Ham was going to bring. Billy Frank was one of them. He went to see what would happen. Well, that night, Billy Frank was intrigued by what he heard, and he went back the second night and responded to an invitation to the gospel and became a Christian. Billy Frank, William Franklin Graham Jr., eventually became known as Billy Graham, the evangelist who has probably preached to more people than anyone else alive. You could continue to imagine the trail or follow this trail and imagine how vast it is or how uh, amazing it is, one person discipling another person discipling another, how far-reaching Christ's message has gone. This fascinating chain of events all took place, it was made possible because God worked in the heart of one Sunday school teacher who was concerned about his high school boys. If you're like most people, and you've served faithfully in the church for many years, or maybe you've just started serving, you wonder, as I do often, whether you're making a real difference or not. That's just normal. It's just part of being human. Maybe you thought of quitting because you didn't think you were making any difference. Or maybe you just never tried. You never said yes when you were asked because you were afraid that you would fail or wouldn't make a difference in some way. Well, the next time you're tempted to give up, please remember Edward Kimball, whose persistence and faithfulness tremendously honored was tremendously honored by the Lord. I imagine the story would have looked a whole lot different if Edward Kimball had not taken that Saturday afternoon to go out to talk to his student, Dwight L. Moody. So be encouraged, church, as we are about this great commission. More often than not, someone else sees the fruit of the seeds that you and I plant. Could you imagine if our foremothers and fathers were able to be here today to look at what God has done? Could you imagine how they would feel? I know they would be smiling. So thank you for the good work that you have done through this church and in this community. And we pray that God would continue to help us to have the eyes of faith to follow him as we continue along a great commitment to this great commission. We pray that 
the next generation and the next generation and the generation after that would carry on the legacy of Huguenot Road Baptist Church and that all, may who, that all who come behind us would find us faithful. It is said that you can count the apples on a tree, but only God can count the number of apple trees and apples in an apple seed. Be encouraged, church. Let's pray.